TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Scoop, there it is. Yes, the Geico commercial is stuck in my head. But I guess it's appropriate considering this is The Scoop Podcast. This is episode 331 on this Monday early evening, the 25th of January. The year is 2021. A few quick notes, then we'll get to Twins General Manager slash Vice President, Senior Vice President, Thad Levine. On the Twins, my sense is that they have an offer out right now to a free agent middle infielder. Could it be Marcus Semien? Could it be Angelton Simmons? Could it be Didi Gregorius? I don't have specific knowledge of who it is. I can tell you that Semien, you know, being third in AL MVP voting just, what, two years ago is a top just about any team's wish list. If you had to rank free agent shortstops, maybe you prefer Simmons's defense. Maybe you just prefer DD overall. But when looking at the three of them, I would say it's a majority opinion if you took a poll of of Major League Baseball front offices that they would prefer Semyon. So I would keep an eye on Semyon, but that doesn't mean it's Semyon. But I do have a strong sense that the Twins have talked parameters of a contract with the agent for one of those guys. Whether they end up with one of those guys remains to be seen. The Twins offered Corey Kluber. He said no. They offered Charlie Morton. He said no. They offered Kirby Yates. He said no. They offered John Brebbia. He said no. So the Twins have made offers this winter where the other party says, no, you know, thank you for making the offer, but no, we are not interested. But definitely keep an eye on the Twins adding a middle infielder. As for Nelson Cruz, does this mean that Cruz is for sure gone? Here's what I would say on Cruz. For the Twins to bring him back, some new talks would have to happen. A new offer would have to happen. That hasn't happened for a while. So could it change? It could. All it takes is one new call, one new offer. But as of now, as of Monday evening, talks have been pretty dead for a stretch here. Like, I just, I don't know if I see Nelly Cruz back in a Twins uniform here in 2021. According to The Athletic and some other media, in fact, Baton Rouge ABC emailed me. So I think it's all over the place out of Baton Rouge. The Vikings are losing their defensive backs coach, Durante Jones. He will be LSU's new defensive coordinator. If I was making a betting favorite, the betting favorite to be Vikings offensive coordinator would remain Clint Kubiak. On PJ Fleck to Tennessee, unless Tennessee is offering PJ seven years, 50 plus million dollars, I don't see it. But do I believe that Tennessee has vetted out Fleck, that Tennessee has interest in Fleck? Yeah, that I absolutely positively believe in. I do think that that is true. But do I think that P.J. Fleck lands in Knoxville? I don't. Oh, by the way, the 2021 Gophers should be really good. Like Daniel Falele didn't put his name in the NFL draft last week. He is back. Daniel Falele, who opted out because of COVID concerns, didn't play in 2020, the stud right tackle. He is back. The thought was he would put his name into the NFL draft. He decided not to. So that changed. They will have... Their offensive lineback. They will have Treadway for his seventh year, the defensive tackle. They have the transfer from Clemson, Pinckney. They have Martin, the transfer from North Carolina State, like the Gophers. The roster that they will put on the field September 2nd against Ohio State will be a veteran-laden roster. Like the guys that will play are going to be really, really experienced. There is an internal feeling that the Gophers should be more like the 2019 Gophers this year not the 2020 Gophers. I know a lot of people internally are excited about the 2021 Gophers. On the Wolves, so on January 11th, I was told that Ashton Haggins, who's on a two-way deal, one-year two-way deal here with the Wolves, he was the undrafted point guard the Wolves signed to a two-way post-draft. I was led to believe that he was on his way to Orlando, that he would play for the Iowa Wolves. So I was told that on January 11th, by somebody that absolutely would know. Well, I checked again today because today the Wolves announced their 10-player Iowa Wolves roster for the G League bubble down there in Orlando. Higgins is not on the roster. So Jordan Murphy is back. Lindell Wigginton, who I mentioned a few weeks ago, he's now officially back. Kenyon Barry is back. Alonjo Trier is the big name. They drafted him top five in the G League draft a couple weeks ago, the former New York Knicks. So they have some... Some names on the roster, but the roster they officially released today does not include Higgins. So I checked with the same source who told me, yeah, Higgins is on his way down there. He now says, quote, 
We'll see. So it's fluid, but at this point, no sense that Ashton Haggins is actually heading down to the G League bubble, even though he needs the games. Like, how much is he really gaining just practicing with the Wolves? He needs some game action. So maybe that changes. Maybe the original plan does take shape. But as of this morning when I checked again, I was told we'll see by the same person who told me, yeah, he's heading down there just two weeks ago. All right, now let me get to two baseball interviews I've done in the last handful of days. Let me start with Twins General Manager slash Senior Vice President Thad Levine. I caught up with Thad on Friday afternoon. Here's my recent conversation with Thad Levine. Thad, Happy New Year. Always good to see your pretty face. Before we get to baseball, just how are you holding up through this pandemic? Like, we've all been impacted, right? Like, normal circumstances? Like, this would be Twins Fest weekend. We'd be having a media luncheon. Like, literally, right now, you and I would be connecting in person. But, hey, thankfully, you still have a job. I have a job. Yeah, the kids have been doing some of the distance learning thing, but they're actually getting back in school on on my home base here pretty quick, like on Monday. So there's some sense of normalcy returning. But we've all been impacted in some form or fashion. How have you been impacted? I mean, without question, I, I think the biggest change is just the lack of connectivity with people in the in the game, the community. And that starts with the fans. And, and then it extends to members of the media, our players, our coaches, just the, the restrictions on the on the engagement, I think is, is really impactful, not only for our players. You know, I think my opinion of, of our team is we're a team that feeds off chemistry. And you, you just saw that last year. Uh, whether it's the it's the cheer of a cr- of the crowd, whether it's the guys having fun with one another in the clubhouse, all of those things were curtailed last year. I'm not saying it didn't impact other clubs, but I do think it impacted our club as much as any, uh, just based upon how much energy they derive from uh, the exhilaration of the fans and the support that, that that our fans have given. So, you know, talking to those guys throughout last year, uh, talking to them this off season, I think they're extremely hopeful that we're going to get back to pack, packed houses and the ability for them to play in front of in front of the hometown town fans. And I'd say the same applies to me. You know, it's the heartbeat of our team is the fans. And, you know, believe it or not, every time we make a decision, we, we have in mind, like, what would our fans want us to do? And sometimes those lead us down paths of making very difficult decisions that we know don't necessarily make the perfect sense to fans. But we're committed as best we can to either trying to help the team today or helping the team tomorrow. Uh, we don't aspire just to stand still. So a lot of challenges, but I'd say there's also been a lot of blessings with the pandemic, in my humble opinion. And that is, you know, when we're all kind of, when the sand starts slipping through the hourglass for all of us at the end, I'm quite certain we all ask for more time. And the pandemic just did give us some more time. It gave us time to knock some things off those lists we all have of things you never get around to, or you'll always do today, but you put off till tomorrow. And so being able to reconnect with old friends, being able to start new relationships with people and, and deepen those relationships, uh, reading an extra book or, or, or learning a, a new thing. Or in for my case, just being able to eat lunch with my kids on a regular basis, something literally I was never able to do. And you know, I haven't missed many dinners either. So the, the reconnection with the family, reconnection with old friends and investing kind of in own personal development and growth has been a, a huge blessing, if, such as there are of a pandemic. On the chemistry with, with your team, we'll get to, to how he can impact on the field, pitching every presumably fifth day, Jay Happ, the news is, is now official. But just in terms of, of the person he is, how he'll add to the clubhouse, that chemistry in the clubhouse, just, just speak to that. Well, Darren, I think, I think you've seen over the last couple of years, we've been very attentive to, obviously we're looking for the most talented players we can possibly recruit, but we're in a beneficial spot. Uh, free agents view us as a very competitive, attractive uh, destination. So we're allowed to be a little selective. We can marry up talent with makeup. Uh, and I think that's as much of what we lost in the free agent class that matriculated away from the Twins this offseason is some of that clubhouse presence, some of that leadership, some of that support uh, for Rocco Baldelli and some of the messages he tries to infuse into the team. So Jay Hap's uh, character is really important to our discussion here. Uh, he's a guy we, we think can take the ball every fifth day. He's a guy, you look at the back of the baseball card under the inning pitch column, there's a lot of a lot of innings pitch totals that lead with the numbers one and seven and it's followed by another number. So he's been pitching 170 innings most of his career last year, notwithstanding, of course. And so we see him as a real floor raiser in our in our staff, a guy who's really going to help stabilize us 
But more than that, I think we view him as a guy who some of our other pitchers, young and experienced, can learn from. Uh, he, he talks about how much he prides himself in having learned so much throughout his career and being ready to give back, whether that's to starters or to relievers. Some of the questions that he and his agent asked uh, through the negotiation process really got our attention. Wanted to know about the relationship with Rocco, wanted to know about the relationship with Wes Johnson, and then wanted to know everything he could about the catchers. And his agent referenced that some of the best relationships he's ever had has been with some of the catchers he's had throughout his career. And he feels he's got so much to learn from them, but also that he's able to elevate their games, sharpen their ability to be pitching coaches on the field. And I think that's some of the things that really got our attention in which was in what was a pretty congested uh, group of free agents to consider this offseason. On on the learning part that like he's 38, but but he embraces the opportunity to learn from Wes. Like you guys do a really good job of of like I think about Maeda last year, or you name any number of pitchers where where you guys can tweak something here or there, you know, and, and that pitcher goes to another level. Like you feel like with Hat, maybe it's just him throwing his slider more, but that there's some stuff there that you guys can tweak where he can get to another level. That's, you're, you're, you're tapping into what is really a full service approach we've had to attracting pitchers to come here. And I think we've now developed some fundamental track record of having some success of helping guys wherever they are in the continuum of their career to, to becoming better versions of themselves. And, and, it, and it starts with Wes Johnson, his passion, his intelligence, his creativity, uh, but it's also supplemented by our advanced scouting team, our, our R&D team who see little things that they think we can improve in guys. And then it's up to us to pitch it to their agents, pitch it to the players and see if they have an aptitude, a willingness to change, a willingness to grow and develop. Not everybody does. You know, a lot of people, especially uh, those of us who are beyond 30 years old, feel, feel like we're pretty finished products. And uh, so when we talk to a guy, we give them a little bit of a teaser of here are areas where we think we can help you become even a better version of yourself. If we see some embracing of that and some willingness to change, that enhances our interest level. And as you mentioned, Jay Epps, 38 years old, and he sees a better version of himself on the horizon. He thinks he still may have his best season yet to come. That intrigues us. And I'll tell you what, when you get on the phone with Wes Johnson, his, his energy is infectious, but his intelligence is unparalleled. His ability to communicate across all different education levels, all different learning paradigms uh, as to ways to help somebody improve and make it seem as if it's their own idea uh, is really pretty special to see. So when you get on the phone with Wes, if you're not fired up, uh, you don't have a pulse. I got to keep remembering it's Jay. Like I look at his name, Thad, J-A. Like I just naturally want to say J-A, but I know I know it's Jay. I suppose Jay's playoff pedigree doesn't hurt. Well, not only his playoff pedigree, but also his just performance in the American League East, which while he's been in it, has been one of the most formidable divisions in the major leagues. So that's that's really impressive to us. You know, we, we think the American League Central is improving really with almost every day. Uh, and, and it's going to be a, a challenge to get through it. We need veteran starters who have upside ability to not only help you get through the 162, but ideally pitch in the postseason. And then just one brief story on the J versus J.A., his, his agent's name is Dave Rogers. I asked him, hey, listen, before I give this guy a call, tell me, what, what are we working with? Is it J or J.A.? And he said J. And I said, you know, as somebody who's gone through his life with the name Thaddeus and called Thad, where it's butchered every which way you can possibly dream of, I try to pride myself on at least getting the name right at the outset. So That is classic. Okay, so so it's a one-year deal. It's, it's what, $8 million. Do you still have flexibility? Like, are you still looking for another starter, maybe a starter that presumably you'd You'd slide above Jay. So it's, you know, such a unique offseason. And I think we're starting to see things really decongest right now. We got a couple weeks left till spring training. We're inside of a month now. And I think we're starting to see agents moves, clubs moves. And as the net effect is, we're seeing a lot more signings and, and a higher frequency of signings. Uh, and and I, we're, we still want to be part of it. So we're not done. We still have some flexibility. We're still having ongoing conversations. We still see many ways we could improve this team, uh, both from a qualitative standpoint and just from a depth standpoint. I think one thing, Darren, that we're really wrestling with on our end, and I'm sure other teams are as well, is just if in doubt, add more pitching because we just don't know what to make of the fact that last year our innings pitch leader was right around 65 innings pitched. And I would just say to fans in a normal season, we would not jump a guy from 65 innings to 180 innings. 
we wouldn't deem that to be a, a, a reasonable thing to expect out of a guy. That being said, you know, when you couple in spring training, when you couple in the, the summer camp, when you uh, couple in the fact that Wes Johnson had the foresight to have all of our starters pitching on turn during the town, downtime between the summer camp and spring training, we think that those innings pitch totals were higher. So we do have some flexibility there, but I do think we're of the mindset, the more guys that we can add to our group, whether it be relievers or starters, the more guys who can pitch multiple innings and or pitch multiple times in a row in a week, the more valuable they're going to be because whatever the average number of pitchers you use in a regular season, we have to believe next year that that number is going to go up. Is Oda Rizzi still an option? So we're still in contact with, with a number of guys. And I think you just highlighted an interesting fact, which is, you know, of the top, you know, grouping of, of free agents, we've seen a, a few of those guys sign recently in, in, in robust deals, but, but Jake Odorizzi is still one of the top 20 free agents out there. And there are a number of them. And so I think we're looking to be communicative with, with agents across starting pitching, relief pitching. Uh, you know, we still want a versatile defender, Mar- Marwin Gonzalez, a here, Ahiri Adrianza were so valuable to this team, so valuable to the way Rocco manages and, and manages to to maximize players' health and well-being. You know, we we need to still play in that in that market a little bit. And then, of course, there are a lot of very interesting bats on this market. So there's some degree of playing the market as it's as it's playing out. And we view their quality players across all spectrums. Will we be able to play in all of them? I'm not so certain, but we're weighing the advantage of pursuing guys across each of those against one another to determine which can have the most, the biggest impact on the team in 2021. On the offense, on the bats, that like, how do you balance? I mean, you're right. Like, when in doubt, add pitching. I, I subscribe to that. I think a lot of people would. But then, mm-hmm. but it's such a small sample size. Like, I think about some of these, these playoff games the last handful of years mm-hmm. where you guys, you know, it's a struggle to, to cross four runs, right? To get to five runs or above, right? So the offense has been so darn good in the regular season, but then come the postseason, and that's the bar, right? I mean, I think you would agree. I mean, tell me if you disagree, but like the bar, it's it's a it's a credit to you guys for setting the bar so high, but like the 2021 Twins, it's like you need to win a playoff series or or the season in so many ways won't be a success. And, and I understand that even winning the division will be one heck of a challenge, but that's the bar to me. You guys have set that it's time to to advance in the playoffs. So like, how do you balance that with, yeah, add all the pitching you can, but some of the offensive struggles in the playoffs? So I, I think I think one of the things as we become more sophisticated from an evaluation standpoint, we're, we're blessed with is this notion of war. You know, war is this kind of grab all, all-encompassing way to compare a reliever to a utility player, to a starting left fielder, to a starting pitcher. And so I would just say, we're very attentive to adding impact players, players who are able to impact our war in a very positive way. The way the team was built in 2019, the way the team was built in 2020 will probably be different than the way the team built in 2021. This is one of the toughest lessons I've learned in in the game, but I I would attribute it to John Hart. And John Hart always said from year one to year two, always aspire to have as many, if not more impact players, but never make the metric be the same player. You know, we're, and these are the toughest decisions for fans because fans fall in love with some of our guys. Candidly, we're fans. We fall in love with some of these guys. Emotionally, you get t- attached to them. But our commitment to the fans is we're trying to build a team that has as much projected war, if not more, than the team from last year. So to your point, uh, we, we had very robust offenses each of the last two years. Didn't necessarily excel in the playoffs like we had hoped. So maybe we're looking at this through the lens of doing it a little bit differently. So, you know, may we bring in players who have robust offensive projections? Absolutely. But there are other ways to contribute to the team, whether that's flooding our pitching staff, whether that's adding some defensive versatility, maybe it's adding a little bit of speed. We're we're open to all of those. We're not necessarily looking to fill each and each individual free agent shoes with a like player or the same player. We're in contact with a lot of the guys who played here last year. Uh, but we're also open-minded to some change. Is Jorge Polanco your opening day shortstop? So, you know, I, I think it's an interesting question more globally, and I can get back to Jorge specifically. I think we look at our team and say, Byron Buxton's our opening day center fielder and Josh Donaldson's our opening day third baseman. Almost everybody else on our team has defensive flexibility. We view that as a huge boon to our team. You know, we've seen Luis Arias play around. We know Jorge Polanco came up as a second baseman and then has played shortstop. We know Miguel Snow's played third base. 
We know Max Cuthbert can play all three outfield positions. Jake Cave can play all three outfield positions. Uh, heck, uh, Mitch Garver has played first base and left field at different times, albeit sparingly. So I guess my point is this, is when we look at the free agent market, we do not feel limited in terms of bats that we can go recruit. It's easy to say they could just slot in a DH spot, but we're not limited in that regard in our estimation because we do have such uh, amazing flexibility with, within our team. You could almost recruit a player at, at about any position on the field and still make it work. And I think the way that Rocco's managed, I think the way the game has evolved, I mean, heck, we saw it in the World Series last year, just the number of players who are playing multiple positions inside of what, what is the most important series of, of the year. Uh, I, I think we're looking and we're having a heightened level of appreciation for that. So I would say yet to be determined as to what where the dust settles and where guys are going to be playing next year, uh, because the, this offseason just represents such a varied uh, group of opportunities for us to improve this team. The blessing we see is just the versatility of our current group. Not too many people are cemented into one position. So I, I'm not going to answer the specific question about Jorge other than just to tell you, I think we've got a lot of championship caliber players on our team who by and large have very limited egos and have a lot of defensive flexibility. That's a really fortuitous position to be in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fascinating answer on, on Jorge's health is, is he doing well coming off the surgery? Is he rehabbing down in Fort Myers? He, he's doing great. And, and that's, that's a real plus for us. Jorge is one of those guys who, you know, doesn't really raise his hand and say he's hurting. But I think what we saw last year was it really did impact him offensively. And for the fans who watched a lot of our games, you just saw it on his left-handed swing when he had to plant his front leg. He had a real tough time uh, having that strong foundation, a foundation that had led to such a robust 2019 offensive season. He feels back to normal now or as close to normal. He's, he's in Fort Myers. He's rehabbing. He's taking this very seriously. You know, we're going to take it one day at a time. But I think really health across the team, whether it's Josh Donaldson coming back, Byron Buxton coming back, Jorge Polanco, I, I think we're very, very optimistic that we're going to be as close to full go as we can, at least by opening day, if not closer to the opening of spring. I'll give you another one. Brent Rooker. Is Brent Rooker doing OK? Yeah, Brent Rooker's doing well. Uh, uh, Arias is doing well. You know, it's amazing you know, really how well the team performed in aggregate considering the wealth of, of quality players that we had on, on uh, the DL at the, at the end of the year, I'll uh, pardon me, but you know, Brent Rooker was a great story last year for us. And those are the types of stories you need to have when you're, when you're aspiring to advance in the playoffs, a guy who comes up and just kind of hit the ground running uh, not to say we didn't miss a beat with some of our injuries, but he did such a nice job of filling in for guys and I just think that's Rocco's mentality, that, that kind of next next guy up mentality. And uh, and that's where, once again, we're trying to continue to add to our depth. But I think you're 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 touching on a, a stable of young players who are about to really impact us in a very positive way at the major leagues. Uh, Brent's already showed up. We're, we're going to see a lot more of those guys matriculate to the big leagues here in 2021 and 2022. Yeah, I mean, Kirilov comes right to mind, right? I mean, Brent, great story, right? Alex, great story, incredible story. Maybe we can't pencil him in as the opening day left fielder or right fielder, but could we pencil him into the opening day lineup? You know, he, he is. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to backtrack on that question a little bit and just share another concern we have front office wise as what was such a unique season last year. It's just trying to exactly understand what a lack of a minor league season did to the, the progress of our players. And, you know, I think we all think a little bit formulaically relative to player plans. We have individual player plans for every single player. We have things that we're asking them to achieve at every level. And with the goal in mind that if they continue to achieve, they'll, they'll advance the next level. And if they continue to achieve, they'll, they'll have the foundation for long-term success in the big leagues. But it is building blocks. And uh, a guy like Alex Kirilov was at our, our alternate site last year. So he did benefit from some development. But we are trying to figure out what does a full minor league season juxtaposed against, uh, you know, a partial season and at an, at an alternate site versus no season at all. What does that mean for all these guys? So I would tell you uh, yet to be determined. Let's see what these guys look like when they come in in spring training. We have a vision what long term success looks like for all those guys. For the, Unfortunately, for most of them, that long term success was put on pause last year. So the question is, do we pick up where we left off or is there advancement? I think the players in large regard will let us know that once, once we start seeing them 
and get around them in spring training and get them back into game situations. I think Hansel Robles has a chance to be a, a sneaky good signing. I mean, I don't even know how to evaluate guys' performances in 2020. Like, I don't know. I'm still months later, Thad, just having a hard time wrapping my arms around how do you just analyze those numbers? But as recently as 2019, a full season, he was pretty darn good. Well, I, and I'm not going to say we have a formula you don't have, Darren. Like, we, we are, we're struggling with that same concept, both on the positive side and the negative side. You know, what do you make of a guy who had a breakout season but had 160 plate appearances or 42 innings pitched? What do you make of the guy who really struggled? But if you kind of absorb that, as you mentioned, if you roll his 2020 into his 2019 performance, it still looks pretty good over what he's done over the last season and a half. I, more than anything, our analysts, our scouts see something in Hansel Robles that they believe can help him get back to where he was in 2019. We presented that to, to Hansel. He embraced it. He's open-minded to it. Wes sees a real path forward for him. So I think we, we too share your optimism and probably a little bit of a tempering of our concern based upon what we saw in 2020 from him and more optimism relative to 2019. Uh, listen, we, we've got some big shoes to fill in our pen. Trevor May was really good for us last year. Sergio Romo, Tyler Clippard, uh, Matt Whistler, those guys were very good for us. So we're not necessarily asking Robles to slide into any one of those guys' roles. We're hopeful that he can be another winning piece that Rocco can use however he sees fit. And it's adding another guy to our group who's closed games. And, you know, I color me as one guy who subscribes to the theory that the last three outs of the game are a little bit different than the other three outs leading up to it. And so having another guy who has some experience in that role to compliment Taylor, I think makes us just that much deeper. On Clippert, is there still some hope? I mean, he's still out there. I mean, could he be a part of your 2021 bullpen? I, I, he, he's certainly a guy that we're staying in touch with. A lot of appreciation for what he and Romo did for, for our team last year. A lot of stabilization through the middle and late innings of the game. Uh, uh, in Clippert's case specifically, what a unique uh, pitch mix where he's as effective, if not more effective, against lefties than he is against righties. Brings veteran presence. Also uh, is a guy who can amazingly pitch uh, with a lot of frequency you know, back-to-back -back days, almost likes that and, and fields his position well. So certainly a guy that we're keeping our eye on. A, a lot of relievers still left on this market. He, he is certainly one that is on our list. Are you surprised I haven't brought up the name Nelson Cruz yet? Uh, who's that? Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's, there's some reporter from the Dominican claiming there might be some news here pretty quick with the White Sox. I don't know. You hear all sorts of different things, Thad. But clearly, if you guys can find a happy medium... I would think you guys would, would welcome him back. A lot, a lot of conversations this offseason with, with Nelson's representation. Uh, it, it's hard to put to words the impact he's had on this franchise in his two years with this franchise. Uh, and, and I think what the fancy on the, the field is just epic power, uh, beautiful, beautiful personality, and a, you know infectious smile. What we see in the clubhouse is supreme leadership and, and – uh, ability to really bring some of our young players along and he's been invaluable to the to this to this franchise and you know regardless of what transpires this offseason he's left an indelible mark on this franchise but hey listen we we are in constant conversation there and uh i'll just leave it at that for right now i hit you with a few more so you're at 37 players on the 40 man not that it's hard to create 40 man spots right i mean you can kind of always if you need to create one spot probably create a spot but like, would your message to fans right now be fed that, and you kind of hit on it, but that you're not done, that you do have some flexibility to add a, at least, you know, one, if not multiple more players, whether it's free agents or a trade? That, that's our goal. Um, you know, it, it, it does take two to tango, and we need to get the, the, the dance card punched. Do you hear a vacuum by any chance? I do, but my son was also getting ice in the kitchen here about two minutes ago, so whatever. It's the world okay. we're in, Thad. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I think our goal is to, to add to this team. We, we desirous of adding both quantitatively and qualitatively. So we want to add to the depth, but we also would like, you know, we see a lot of really talented players out in this market uh, between Derek, myself, Rob Anthony, uh, Jeremy Zoll, and Daniel Adler. Like, we're in constant contact, not only with agents, but also with some teams about, you know, keeping our finger on the pulse of trades. It's been a little bit slower moving unless you work for the San Diego Padres. Uh, but we, we are at least having some conversations. And I think one thing that's been really positive is we took a look at it the other day uh, between our, our minor league prospects and our major league players. 
I think we've been asked on over 30 distinct players in the last calendar year. And I would just say from my perspective, my view of that is the, the present is very bright, but also so too is the future. Not many teams can boast that. And, and you know, I, long ago, a, a veteran scout named Don Welke told me, it's all well and good how you value your players until the, the league lets you know they actually have value. Uh, you know, it doesn't really mean as much. And the league's letting us know that we have a lot of talented players that should be a harbinger of not only good things in the short term for us, but in the long term as well. Do you have any untouchables? Like, realistically speaking, like, I get it. If if the Angels called and said, hey, here's Mike Trout, just give us Royce Lewis. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. Of course, you'd say yes, I would think, even with the contract. But realistically speaking, do you have any guys that the teams ask about and you say, nope, nope, we're, we're keeping him? Yeah, so so philosophically, we we have tried to not – work in those terms. Realistically, there are some players that it would be very difficult for us to part with. So we're less inclined to initiate conversations with certain players involved. But I think one thing we owe to our fans, one thing we owe to our team and our owner ultimately is to evaluate every opportunity to improve this team, whether it be in the short term or the long term. And so I think we try to do a, a decent job of not shopping specific players around, but when, when teams do express interest, gauging what their actual value is such that in the future, if we do get to a point where we're considering trading them, we have a better perspective as to how their market value has changed from one cycle to the next. So we're definitely less inclined to talk actively about players, but we're disinclined to tell a team at the outset, here are the four or five, six players that we just simply wouldn't talk about regardless. Because as you said, you never know what they may actually have, have interest in expressing. And we are one of those teams that has mild interest in Mike Trout. We could see a fit for him. So we, we never want to cut those, cut those conversations off. We'll always listen, uh, but we're probably a little less inclined to initiate dialogue with certain members of our, our prospect and current major league core. I hit you with two more. So what, what's it like when you make some of these free agent pitches and it just it doesn't work out? Like it, it does take two to tango. I don't know anybody, any franchise that bats you know, 1,000 in free agency, like you make offers, guys say no. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's been a couple pitchers in the last week that, that chose other teams that you guys were, were right there until the end with those guys. So it's just one of those deals where you accept it, that you know you're not going to be able to sign all these guys. Like, what's, what's that like? Uh, so I would say today's plan B has to be tomorrow's plan A, and you have to be willing to make adjustments pretty in, in a pretty timely fa fashion don't ever put all your eggs in one basket. You can't get overly emotional or dejected by a player. I actually, I'll share a, an anecdote here. I just talked to Derek Falvey this morning and I said this to him. There was an agent that actually represented two distinct players, two distinct negotiations that were separated by about three weeks. We finished in, call it at least second place. Maybe it was really fifth. Who knows? We were at least first losers, if not more, on those two players. Uh, one of those negotiations finished recently. We were notified we weren't getting the player. The very next day, the agent calls and says, but do you have interest in this next guy? Part of your attitude could be, you know, we've gone 0 for 2 with your guys. Why would I want to keep talking to you? And the point is because you, he represents another player who could help the Minnesota Twins in the future. And so we're going to try to stay patient. We're going to try to stay unemotional in these things. But what you illuminate there, Darren, is there's no such thing as following, following plan A steps one through 10 linearly in an off season and, and arriving at a conclusion. We're concurrently running multiple plan A's, B's and C's at the same time. Uh, we've got a number of gifted negotiators. Uh, Rob Anthony will be talking to a handful of relievers. I'm talking to some starters. Derek's talking to some bats. We confer four times a day to, to understand what is the, what's the cost on each of these guys. It's kind of a menu. We're, we're then trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. The agents are doing the same thing on their side. So even when we, determine we've got a strike price on a guy that doesn't mean we're the only team pursuing them. Quite frankly, we probably should be pretty frightened if we got everybody at our price. That means they don't, we're probably paying too much. So it takes a lot of patience uh, without question, and you can't get too emotionally attached to any one singular plan. And last one for you, Thad. I mean, I suppose the Phillies would, would relate to this, right? Like they courted you as far as we know, correct me if I'm wrong on that. You said no. So the Phillies would have some experience in, in trying to, to secure the services of somebody. That's somebody saying no. Just how, 
How much do you enjoy it here, Thad? How much are you grateful to be part of the Twins organization? Uh, immensely. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening to this, yourself included, Darren, have much more history in this region than I do, but it feels like home. And that means something to me. I, I, you know, I feel very strongly that I made a commitment to this organization as much as they made one to me. And I couldn't be more happy. My, my family couldn't feel more a part of the community here. And that means more to me than, than any title or any level of prestige that I could achieve. And so, you know, when, when you're making these decisions at this level, you got to factor a lot of things in, but I would just say for my factoring, I, there's, there's a quality of life component that I find would be very difficult for any situation to match or exceed uh, what we have right now in, in Minnesota. And so I feel fortunate to work here. Uh, and I think we've got some unfinished business, but the, the arrow is still very much up for this group of players. And, and I would like to see that through as much as the fans would. He's a good baseball man. He's a good family man. It's easy to see why the Philadelphia Phillies wanted him so badly. Thad Levine, Twins GM and Senior Vice President. Before we transition to Royce Lewis, a player the Twins are asked about often but really aren't inclined to trade anytime soon. Before we get to that conversation, let me mention on Brad Hand, congratulations to the Chaska native. He's been on the podcast going back a few weeks. I'll get him on again. He is off to the Washington Nationals one year, $10.5 million. So he got his payday back. So good for Brad. That is a fantastic deal for Brad. The Twins had first right of refusal, but the Twins were not in on Brad at the end. The Twins were not willing to pay any reliever. Brad, Liam Hendricks, you name the reliever. They were not paying any reliever that much money. They were not going to 10 figures on a per year basis on any reliever. So it was easy to see why the Twins did not land Brad Hand. All right, let's get to the aforementioned Royce Lewis. I talked to Royce, I don't know, like 10, 12 days ago, but everything we talked about is still plenty applicable. Here's my recent conversation with Twins top prospect, Royce Lewis. Royce, thank you for your time. Now, now that the calendar is flipped to, to 2021, are you, are you getting that itch even more so that, that you're going to head down to Fort Myers here relatively soon and, and hopefully spring training starts relatively on time that, that it starts to ramp up about right now? Yeah, for sure. You know, I uh, think the goal is always to get out to spring training and be ready and be healthy. And uh, I'm very much so in both of those categories, ready and healthy. And so, I just cannot wait to have an opportunity to go show my talents uh, to the Twins organization. What's kept you busy the, the last handful of months? Have you been able to do your normal off-season routines? Yeah, luckily enough, I have been. You know, I got a weight room in my garage and a cage as well. So I've been able to hit and continue to throw into the net there and uh, as well as hit sometimes with Tory Jr. and Tory Sr. at their place, uh, which is really cool. It's a great mentorship from both those guys. So you were able to head to Texas even I, – I talked to Tori. I know Tori Sr. relatively well, just doing this long enough. I remember talking to Tori Sr. At, at one point last winter, and he was gushing about having you down there. I think he said Latroy was, was in that mix, maybe Matt Kemp as yep. well. So, so you've had a chance to, to work with Tori Sr. here this, this offseason? Yes, sir. Yeah, as safely as possible. You know, obviously with COVID, for as much as we knew, we didn't know much about it. And – how to go about hitting and stuff. So we kind of shut down for a little bit there, but then once we kind of knew, all right, you know, you wear your mask, hand sanitizer and stay six feet apart. Uh, I said, as long as you're throwing and I'm hitting, I think we're, you know, 60 feet apart. So we're pretty good there. <laughs> so uh, we just kind of obviously did our routine safely, wore the mask and stuff, but yeah, it's been fun to get, you know, our routines in and continue to work and be able to have a chance to work. Cause I know many of my teammates and many of my friends have not been able to, unfortunately. Is it weird to think that the last time you played in, I guess it would be an official minor league game, would have been early September of 2019, but then you played in the Arizona Fall League. Then you did get spring training at-bats going back to March. I remember the home run you hit in, I think it was Clearwater against the Phillies right before things shut down, but then things shut down, but then you had a chance to come here to the Twin Cities. You took part in, in the workouts over at CHS Field. So you've gotten a lot of work in around other guys. You've seen live pitching, but... Is it weird to think that that September of, of 2019 was the last official minor league game you've played in? Yeah, for sure. No doubt. It was just, uh, well, you know, we were talking about that almost every day with some of my buddies and my family. It's just, 
you know, when's that next opportunity going to come for us minor league guys that are trying to make it and have our dreams come true. You know, we're chasing a dream and trying to make it and, uh, you know, all odds against you as is. And then now you have COVID hitting. It doesn't help. So um, as unfortunate as it is, you know, the whole world's going through it and it's tough. And I think the main concern is just the safety of the players and the safety of the entirety of, you know, players and families and the world. So uh, just trying to stay safe, stay healthy and, uh, you know, try to get through this. And then once we get through this, then we can try to focus on, you know, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make my dream come true? How much direction do you have right now from from Twins folks? Like, do you know what what spring training is going to look like when they expect you in Fort Myers? Uh, you know, I know a little bit about, you know, ideas of what they have in, in mind. And uh, unfortunately, it's not up, up to them in terms of when they want like to start, because I think they'd love to start on time, be ready and have answers for us, of course. But uh, the main thing is the MLB has to follow, you know, guidelines of the CDC and and kind of we're just following throughout what the world's going through right now. So uh, trying to follow the guidelines there is tough. But at the same time, they're working through regulations and, and some rules there that will uh, provide us to inf more information on when we can go. But as of right now, I, the Twins have prepared me to say, hey, stay ready for when you could come. It's going to be around the same time as last year, which is middle of February, um, you know, planning in terms of big league camp. And if I don't go to big league camp, then uh, we'll see you in April, basically, is what they said. So I'm uh, just preparing to be ready for mid-February, and hopefully we can uh, go mid-February for big league camp. Yeah, I mean, you have to be in big league camp, right? I mean, unless they're limiting the numbers, but – being in big league camp a year ago, I would I would presume, Royce, you're you're going to be in big league camp again. Yeah, you know, you can always assume, but uh, at the same time, it's it you control the controllables, right? So it's one of those things. But yeah, it's uh, if they do limit the numbers due to the fact that we have COVID and we're dealing with, you know, we're trying to limit the the amount of touches for the baseball. I know when we turned to plays last year during COVID season we had to throw the balls out. So it was kind of weird getting used to the fact that when more than two guys touch the baseball, it's, it's now a, you know, dirty ball or an exposed COVID ball. So we got to make sure, you know, with COVID restrictions again, yeah, the limitations there. On fulfilling your dream of, of getting up here, getting to the majors, how, how much closer do you feel like you are today compared to the day you were drafted? Oh man, a lot, a lot closer. You know, it's a, you hear everyone talking, family, friends, media, and, uh, it, you know, sometimes it could creep into your head. But uh, for me, most of the time, I'm very mature now in terms of uh, really an idea of how the big leagues works. And uh, it's not just about baseball. It's a business, you know. So it's, <laughs> you got to think of both, both ways here. And uh, our team's very, very good. So I'm very, very patient due to the fact that our team's good, one, and two, that I want to be the guy that goes up there and is ready and not the guy that uh, goes up there just because he's super talented and super young. Uh, and then has to struggle for a little bit and then comes back down. And, and uh, you know, reality is going to set in at some point. But as long as you could be as much as prepared as you possibly can for that moment when it does happen, I think you'll be able to be more consistent and stay up in the Billies for a lot longer period of time. Do you feel like your swing is more MLB ready right now or, or your defense? I, I think both, but there's always room to grow. You know, I think it's not necessarily the, the physicality of it, of the game. For me, I think, and for a lot of my teammates and players that we play with, uh, play against as well, I think it's more the mental side of the game. That's what I've learned uh, since I got here. I think uh, the day I was drafted, technically, physically, I could have been up there hitting home runs, uh, throwing people out from from the five six hole, because uh, it's not really about size. All big leaguers comes in, you know, big, tall, small. You got Aaron Judge and Jose Altuve in the same field. And they both hit homers. So it's it's one of those things where it's just a mental part of the game. You know, you got to really take over mentally and be able to handle adversity. And that's uh, one of the things that minor leagues are for. And to kind of weed out, you know, the little bit of people that have the, the capabilities to hit, you know, a 500-foot home run like Miguel Sano uh, compared to, uh, you know, some other guys. I don't know if you'll end up starting the year at, at AA. The Twins have a new AA affiliate. But maybe it's AAA or eventually you're – you're probably going to be at, at the AAA level. The Twins now have the affiliate there at, at CHS Field. Just what are your thoughts on that after spending so much time in the summer over in St. Paul? I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing for the fans. I think it's also really great for the players as well. Uh, I know the travel is going to be a little bit tougher during the season for AAA guys. But at the same time, is it worth it to be already in city so that when you do get that call to go only 30 minutes, 25 minutes away, I think it is. And so uh, everyone's pretty stoked about it. I think the field's a lot 
a lot better. And then to already have your fan base, you know, cheering for you and rooting for you before you even get up to the big leagues is really cool as well. So in the summer, did you just play shortstop or, or did they have you in, in the intra-squad scrimmages? Did you play some third base, some outfield too? I primarily played shortstop. That was it, uh, especially in all those games. Um, as much as I try to say that, hey, like, let them know, hey, I can play wherever you need me to, you know, I just want to be a utility guy. I want to be help you guys out, whatever I got to do. Uh, I just want to help the team win. And that's the end of the game. At the end of the day, that's what I want to do. Um, but they've told me multiple times, like, you're a shortstop. You're a shortstop. So, and of course, that's the position I'd love to play. And if I have the opportunity, that's what I want to do. But at the end of the day, like I said, I, I just want to play and help the team win as much as possible. How far along has, has your swing come where, where you feel comfortable spraying the ball to, to all parts of the outfield? Oh, it's come along very well. You know, I think uh, the power has definitely come just with the, the physical maturity there. But uh, yeah, I've always felt comfortable hitting the ball to right field. And then at some point I got, got away from that, trying to hit too many home runs. I know it became, you know, baseball became a home run strikeout kind of game. Um, but kind of just watching the game and how it's, transpired and now you're seeing you know Tatis and Mookie Betts and a lot of guys spraying the ball over the field uh Luis Arias on the Twins is very very good at that uh Jorge Polanco has been doing it a lot lately as well and so there's guys that you can see they have been you know coming up in the ranks and doing it their whole careers going to opposite field and, and doing it well and so one of those things I've been trying to work on more so in my game. How proud are you of, of your good friend Alex Kirilov just I mean, that was so crazy, right? You know, how he makes his, his major league debut, and it, it went well team-wise. Obviously, it didn't go well. But for him on an individual basis, I thought it went. I mean, all things considered, making your debut in the playoffs, I thought it went very well. How, how happy are you for him that, that he made it here? Yeah, super excited. You know, we all knew he was ready for the moment, uh, all of our teammates, and we were all excited being able to watch him. And I remember uh, live streaming it while I was working out back in Texas, and so – uh, it was really exciting for me. I, I was hoping he'd jump on that first pitch fastball and hit it out with the bases loaded there, especially because it would give the Twins a lead and maybe their first playoff win in a while. But, um, you know, obviously he got his hit and he made a couple of really great plays out in the outfield. And it's always exciting because I know he's athletic enough to do that. And some people have always kind of downed on his defense. But I'm like, man, you're an athlete, bro. So go out there and show him what you can do. And he really did. And it's really cool to see it. Um, and it's like I said, you know, we've been waiting for that moment to happen for him. And hopefully next year he's, he shows a lot more of that. Are you in Texas right now or California? I'm in Texas right now. I got the, I got my Lewis little plaque. So did you buy a place or are you renting a place near Torrey? So you can, you can spend all this time with, with the hunters. I bought a place. Yeah. You know, the hunters have taken me in as like a family member and I really appreciate it. Uh, they're amazing, man. I truly truly love them and I'm really grateful for all that they've done for me and uh you know they didn't have to of course it was just nice people being just great great mentors to me in Texas I mean are things relatively open like state by state things Royce as you probably know are, are so different but my sense is things are relatively open down there in Texas yeah you know what I'm um, being from California and talking to my family out there it's it's like Texas has no idea that it's a real thing. You know, that's what it's comparing it out to California. I mean, California has got to be one of the most, if not the, the worst state to be in right now in terms of shutdowns. Uh, I know my father's got his restaurant going and unfortunately they've been kind of dealing with a lot of this process and um, it's just been tough on him. And I know the business is kind of not, you know, doing as well as they would hope, but at least they're staying above water. Uh, we're blessed to say that they're still kind of open and doing some business, but um, yeah, here in Texas, everything's open. There's indoor dining. Uh, it's, it seems relatively normal to me. I think essentially uh, the, what they call essential needs, it's more than essential here. So that's, that's all you need to know in terms of how it's open. Who are some of the arms that, that stood out to you in, in St. Paul? Like I heard a lot of good things about Cantorino. So maybe he's one, but who are some of the other arms that you faced in St. Paul where you said, whoa, okay, that guy's got, got a nice future? Yeah, you know, Edward Colina. Uh, who also got to go up and pitch in the major leagues this year was really good. And Johan Duran and you got Dakota Chalmers uh, is, yeah, as well as Cantorino. And uh, I think they're all really good arms and it was fun for us to face our own guys. Cause we got a lot of feedback, you know, they got feedback from us on, Hey, 
how did my slider work? How did the change up work? How did this look? How did that look? Um, do you think I should have thrown it here or there, et cetera? And then we got the feedback of uh, what were you seeing? Why were you attacking this part of the zone? Um, you know, why were you staying in on me? Why were you going away? Uh, it was just really cool. You know, you normally don't get that. Uh, but obviously, a lot of guys miss the uh, little bit more competitive nature of being more aggressive towards your other opponent that you don't really know. Because when you know the guy, it's like you feel bad if you're almost going to hit him or or if you hit a homer off him, you're like, oh, sorry, <laughs> you know, but I had to do it. Uh, so we had fun. And it was, those are some of the arms that definitely stood out, you know, very electric. Um, a lot of flamethrowers coming out in, in the Minnesota ranks here pretty soon. I'll let you go after this, Royce. Just how, how have you embraced, you know, your your – you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, your, your celebrity role now. Like, I'll give you an example. My son, my, my nine-year-old, my older son is, is ripping open a, a pack of baseball cards the other day. He pulled your mm. card, okay? And, and he's like running around the house just, you know, over the moon that he now has a, a Royce Lewis card. Like, just yeah. something like that. Just how, how are you handling all that? And, and there are a lot of Twins fans, as you well know, Royce, because you're active on, on social media, that, that just they, they can't wait for you to get here. Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much. And tell your son hello for me. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, it always brightens my day to hear something like that, you know, especially because as a little kid, I always grew up a baseball fan and loving a bunch of players myself. Uh, but no, I think, you know, it's just an, I'm just a normal person at the end of the day. You know, and I think I'm just taking advantage of my platform to put my voice and make sure it's heard out there for a lot of things. And um, and just to show people how regular, you know, us baseball players are and how normal we are. We have fun. We we play games. We do other things off the field that are fun. And uh, we go to the store, the same stores you do, Trader Joe's, Costco, you name it, you know. And so uh, it's just fun. And that's why I use my social media platform so much as I do. Um, but at the same time, man, I feel, you know, just blessed to have the opportunity to have people looking up to me at some point. And um, I can't wait to be in Minnesota as well, if that's the case. Royce, thank you for doing this. Certainly stay safe. And who knows what the heck Fort Myers will look like from our standpoint, from a media standpoint. Like I said, I don't even know when the heck spring training is going to start, what the heck it's going to look like. But, but whenever we can connect again in person, it might be after mm -hmm. we're all vaccinated. You know, who knows, six months from now, a year from now. But whenever we can connect in person, I'll certainly, uh, I'll certainly seek you out. I appreciate it, Darren. Thank you so much, man. His parents, Royce Lewis's parents, did a great job raising that young man, whether it's this calendar year or maybe more realistically, one year from now. I still think it's when, not if, that Royce Lewis will wear a Twins uniform. I look forward to that day. One of the top prospects in baseball. The Twins made him the number one overall pick in the draft four years ago. All right, we are done on this Monday early evening, the 25th of January. Always appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful week. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 331. Stay safe, stay sane.